Welcome to Gleaming the Tube, the podcast where Kevin and Mike watch a film in which somebody rides a skateboard at some point. Finally, a podcast where people talk about movies. Hello, Michael. Hello, Kevin. 2016's La La Land, directed by Damien Chazelle, is a modern update of classic musical films. It tells the story of an aspiring actress played by Emma Stone and a grumpy jazz bro played by Ryan Gosling as they chase their dreams and fall in love in modern Los Angeles. Fantastic. What a good watch. So I can I can confess uh, that I watched this movie. Uh, I didn't hadn't seen the movie, nor had my girlfriend. Um, it just completely we've completely failed to watch it when it came out, and then you know just sort of put it in the stack of movies we wanted to watch. And we put it on the other day with uh, I had no idea that there was a minimal amount of skateboarding in the movie, and was surprised and delighted not only by the presence of a little bit of skateboarding in the opening fantastic dance musical number, but then I was absolutely surprised and delighted by how great the movie was. All right, so going into this, did you know what it was? I mean, I I think I knew that it was it, it was a musical. I, you know, I mean, I, I was aware that it had gotten a lot of accolades when it came out, but I, I yeah, I didn't really have much of an idea. Uh, I am a fan of the musical. It's, it's one of those things where I, I don't think about it very often, but I am a huge fan of musicals. And, uh, you know, the moment it started and a, a cavalcade of people stepped out of their cars and, and the traffic jam scene, I was like, wait, is this like a a full like a fucking musical and sure enough it was and man was i uh i strapped in and was absolutely enthralled by the uh the whole film see that's interesting because i also really love especially the classic hollywood musicals that this film is most directly referencing um and the classic french musicals that this film is most directly referencing and I really liked the opening number, but I don't think I was as over the moon about this movie as you were. Well, I, I and I think that may be because I went in, you know, it's like when a movie is brand new and shiny and everybody is taking a great amount of pleasure in enjoying it or not enjoying it, because let's face it, that's a huge part of our cultural now, culture nowadays. I think that I didn't see it then. And so to watch a movie way out of context without really a whole lot of under you know like without a lot of like backstory or or kind of like people's you know there are people in your ear telling you what you should think about it to watch it sort of completely free and clear of all of that and just sort of have it wash over you I was really I I, I liked I liked that it was pretty clear that our stars were actually really singing and we're not necessarily the strongest of singers. You know, I it was I was very charmed by the whole thing. I got what they were doing. And I uh and like I said, I you know, I went into it with such low expectations that I was just like, oh, this is this is a a thing. I I could see that working for you because I think like like you're right, Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone are actors, are actors. They are not 
song and dance people. Um, yes. I know Ryan Gosling learned to play piano for this movie, for instance. And like the movies this is riffing off of for the most part, the people in those movies, I think, I would say are song and dance people first. Like, you know, there's a lot of singing in the rain in this. Sure. And Gene sure. Kelly is a, is a, the man is a hoofer. The way they would shoot the dance numbers in one take uh, was pretty much straight up Fred Astaire, Ginger Rogers. And again, mm-hmm. I don't know if any two people have ever danced on screen as effortlessly elegantly as Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers and, you know, Gosling and Stone did not do that. And like you said, maybe that kind of like tension between like the way it's being filmed and Emma Stone and Ryan Gosling's sort of like butting up against the limits of their abilities there could be read as charming, but it, it, it didn't always work for me. It's like, I'd rather watch singing in the rain. Well, you know, it's it's interesting that, that that's that's sort of it's like exactly I feel exactly the same way, but it totally worked for me and that I could see how good a job the choreographers and the people who wrote the songs did uh, at like figuring out a way for two actors to be able to sort of convincingly perform, you know, like the the the, the, the choreography was clearly you know, they, they gave them a little slack so that they, you know, cause these people are not singers and dancers, but like, I enjoyed watching the machinations of that. Like, Oh, they kind of brought the genre that they dialed it down a little bit so that these, these two actors could kind of like, like fill the shoes. And I was very aware of that watching the whole film, but I, I thought it worked really, really well. You know, I, I like, I liked that, that Emma Stone didn't, you know, she she certainly held her own, but there was no moment where I felt like, holy shit, she's like belting it out like a like a like a siren singer. You know what I mean? I also at one moment <clears throat> I could tell that like Ryan Gosling had like learned to play the piano, but I was also pretty well aware that some of the really crazy piano playing was not him. And I remember thinking, if that's really him, I'm going to kill myself because no one can be that handsome and good as an actor and that good of a piano player. I I actually thought like, if that's really Ryan Gosling and he learned to do this for this movie, I just, I give up, (laughs) you know? I don't know how to break this next bit of news to you, Michael, but I think there were no hand models playing the piano. Because man, some of that, he was, he was chopping it up. Well, you know what? Good for him. But I think he would just learn those songs. Sure. Like how to play those songs. That was some convincing damn piano playing then. I don't know. It's hard. You know, it's hard when a movie is taking as its reference points, like some of the most beautiful and amazing movies of all time. So if like you're trying to like immediately lay down your cards and say like, okay, uh, compare us to the umbrellas of Cherbourg. Like it's not surprising. It's going to come up short to what is possibly the most beautiful looking film ever made. Right. Right. And so in that way, I think that's what made me enjoy it. I was like, ah, they're trying their best. Good for them. <laughs> this is just sort of happenstance, but I had just gotten like the 4k ultra high def criterion Blu-ray of uh, Powell and Pressburger's the red shoes. And I watched, I watched that Friday night and holy shit, does it look beautiful. Oh, in this new edition, uh, fully restored. And the themes of that movie are like the same themes as this movie. But, you know, the Red Shoes, like A, it plays it completely straight. And B, like the dancing in that movie 
is out of this world good. I just maybe watched this early this week, like not in the right frame of mind for it. Having said that, I loved the opening number. I loved the ending. Yeah, um, me too. It's, you know, it's the same ending as the Umbrellas of Cherbourg, but, and it's not as sad as the Umbrellas of Cherbourg ending because it doesn't have like this beautiful, sad, haunting Michelle Legrand music playing. But like those two bookends worked. I thought Emma Stone was fantastic. Like she gave a really good performance. I thought any scene where she and Ryan Gosling were like talking to each other and acting was fantastic. And I thought in the middle, it just got a little draggy. It was maybe a half hour too long. I did not think the songs were particularly memorable. So I I did not hate this movie, but I also was was not over the moon on it. I don't know why this is the movie that got, or I do, I do know why this is the movie that like is tied for the most Oscar nominations ever with All About Eve and Titanic. And it's because the Academy of Motion Pictures, Arts and Science cannot resist a movie that is basically like movie makers, the real heroes. (laughs) Yes, yes. Congratulations to us. The the, the makers of dreams. Yeah, well, and it's funny. So it's, it's interesting that that's so it seems like maybe because I, as as huge, as a big as big of a fan as I am of musicals, I am not super well versed in musicals. I just sort of see them and like what I like. So having so having not seen a musical in quite a long time, and then just sitting down and watching this, I think maybe I, you know that's my frame of reference was just oh my god they're singing you know but. Uh, but yeah, if I had just watched the red shoes on some beautiful, uh, by the way, hard copy, which is a which is a an important thing to have in this in this day and age, who doesn't love a hard copy? I, I'd be I'd be <laughs> these 4K Criterion Blu-rays look phenomenal. They look better than anything you can get on streaming. I also sure. got I also got the Hard Day's Night one. Nice. So yeah, so having not seen a musical in quite a while. Uh, yeah, I, I, I was certainly, uh, I was certainly enthralled to it. The last musical I watched was maybe a few months ago, I was putting together a bed frame and I decided to put on, uh, my fair lady in the background while I was putting together the bed frame and, and man, I was, uh, uh again, completely captivated and delighted by that film. I was, yeah, I was going to ask, what are your favorite musicals? I, you know, it's funny. I don't even know that I could call them my favorites. I, they're just the ones. There's this whole culture of just sort of movies that were always on in the early days of having like HBO. You know, my my family, we had premium cable when I, you know, when I was a kid. And if it was a gloomy Saturday or a, you stayed home from school sick or a snow day kind of day, there were these movies that were sort of just in the middle of the afternoon, it was almost certain that you were going to catch like Max Dugan Returns or Cloak and Dagger or one of my very most favorite musicals, A Chorus Line. <laughs> now, I can tell you that as a as a young 12-year-old kid, I think what drew me into the chorus line was the um amazing lack of anyone wearing any pants for about the for about the duration of the, of the musical there was a lot of a lot of very small leotards that i i was i was very drawn to but having seen that movie probably 
40 times because it was just on constant rotation on HBO. I grew to really, really love that. You know, it was like, it's like from the point of view from your ex, it's, it's almost like the, I made the observation recently that a chorus line is almost the, the perfect template for reality television. In today's, you know, it's like it's a competition based thing where there's a big giant cast that gets whittled away over the course of the of the film. And there's a confessional element and the will they or won't they element. And I loved that movie as a kid. I also loved fame, the original movie fame. And uh, I, I remember being very, very, very taken by Seven Brides or Seven Brothers because that is just a stomping good time. I'll tell you, Seven Brides for Seven Brothers, uh, under like modern eyes. <laughs> oh, I can't even <laughs> imagine not hold up. That's that's a movie that I probably haven't seen since I was like ten or ten or eleven years old. But but again, in the in the realm of like, okay, what's on TV today? If Seven Brides for Seven Brothers came on, you could bet your ass I was sitting in front of the TV and watching the shit out of that. And then I'd also, I think, I would say that maybe my favorite is My Fair Lady. That is just, that is just good stuff. <laughs> now, let me ask you a question. In the realm of like musical fans, mm-hmm. are the are the examples I'm giving considered like the most sort of lame, like just skimming the surface of, of the musical genre or are those considered like pretty well respected musicals? I honestly don't know um, because I am also sort of, I'm a person who really likes musicals, but I also don't travel in those circles particularly often. So it's like, I, so I, I don't have a lot of friends who also like musicals outside of you. And I think this is maybe the first discussion we've ever had about musicals in the 30 years we've known each other. As I was talking about musicals a minute ago, I realized that musicals, you and I are very much from a culture of deciding to be really into something and then deciding you're going to know everything about the thing. And I would say that musicals are something that's just a passive interest of mine but if one is on i am just riveted to this to the screen you know the idea of like singing and dan- like the you know the triple threat idea of a hollywood actor is something that i'm very very interested yeah in. and like i unlike you i did not have cable growing up it was like not available where i lived because there was like you know because i essentially lived in the woods for like the first like 10 to 11 years of my life. So just cable was not an option. Um, So I would see things like, I would see like Top Hat on PBS and I would watch that. And, you know, obviously like Grease was on. I I wasn't super into Grease. Um, And kind of like getting into older movies as I got older, I I discovered how much I liked things from the, you know, 40s and 50s, like, I didn't see Singing in the Rain until I was, you know, in my 30s. Really? Yeah. Uh, my wife and I, we went to we went to the Brattle to see it kind of on a whim one afternoon because it was raining out. And we're like, you know, I hear this is good. And I was blown away by how much I loved it. Yeah, I, I that's I guess that's the thing. Like, I, I never really sought out musicals, but they were just seemed like they were always on. And, and when they were on, I would re, I would I would dig into them. I like that stuff. I had also forgotten about Oliver Twist. I'm a huge fan of Oliver Twist. 
wow, this is a, this is interesting, Kevin. This is a podcast about skateboarding in a musical. <laughs> and I will say the scene with the skateboarding in La La Land with the dudes with the cars and the LA express freeway and all the people jumping over the cars. Like that was fantastic. I like, that was probably the best the movie was. I really liked the whole sequence, like the, the, the fantasy version of how their lives unfold before the reality sets in. I thought that was really, really pretty and really well done. I liked that a lot. That was also, I think really well done. And then there was a whole, hour and a half in between those two scenes that now let me ask you this sure uh you're a recent transplant to the city of los angeles yes how much did like the sense of place kind of resonate with you did it feel like the los angeles you know or does it feel like the los angeles or do you think it more feels like the Los Angeles of young people who moved to Los Angeles specifically to break into show business. Because of the circumstances in the world right now, I haven't really gotten to experience much of LA just due to COVID restrictions and the fact that I'm in school and don't have any money, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. but um, I would say that the, the one thing that did resonate with me was how, and this is a very subtle thing, but when you when you're driving around or 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 just sort of like out and about in your daily business in the LA area, you'll be in this completely innocuous neighborhood, and then just turn a corner, and suddenly you'll realize you're in the middle of a desert, with these you know what I mean with like the the city and the in the distance and the mountains you know like that that really resonated with me. There's that the scene where they do the they're looking for their cars after the party. And they're just sort of on this, you know, they're just in this sort of like, looks like a kind of a suburban neighborhood. And then they just sort of crest a hill. And suddenly they've got this beautiful panoramic view of the city. That resonates with me about LA. When you're driving through LA, all like I see, you'll just like crest a hill. And suddenly you're like, holy shit, like I'm in the middle of this beautiful thriving metropolis. And then you take three more blocks and you're in like, the grossest area, you know, like the, the, the glitz and the the garbage really do kind of like smash right into each other in that, in that, uh, in the way that that's very well, um, that's very well expressed in that movie. But other than that, like, I, I think you're right. It's probably more the version of, um, what young people who come to LA to make it might think of it as like their gigantic apartment that she lives in with the four other actresses. Sorry, man. That's like a, that's like a $9,000 a month apartment. (laughs) No, no, no four struggling actresses are living in that space. That it's just a fact. Does that come pre furnished with the uh, wall length, Ingrid Bergman wallpaper. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, sorry, that's that is a fantasy. I'm sitting right now in a in like a two thousand dollar a month apartment. That's uh, I'm four feet away from my girlfriend, and she's in another room. So <laughs> that's more of the reality. The reality is, you moved to Pasadena, <laughs> not to LA proper. I don't know, and I do have to like. There was, I think, the first big kind of Emma and Ryan are in love montage. All I could think about when that was playing was the montage from The Naked Gun set to I'm into something tells me I'm into something good. 
Yes. <laughs> but they're at the play exactly. They're at the planetarium and they're at the the whatever the wax yes. museum or wherever the, wherever they went. Yeah, that was, it was definitely that was definitely like the uh the, I, the first six days you live in LA tour that uh that everybody seems to take. I I mean I've been to that observatory and I have only been to Los Angeles about five times. A note on the skateboarder who appears uh, there's a few only one of them is credited turns out he's actually pretty pretty legit his name is cameron revere uh he skates for there's a a well-known skate shop from in venice beach called arbor and they have a little project called arbor whiskey where they make skateboards out of sustainable bamboo and other materials and he uh there's some edits of him skateboarding in venice skate park which is one of the worst places imaginable to be as far as just like Venice skate park is considered to be one of the least aesthetically pleasing places on the planet. But he, there is some footage of him on YouTube, just tearing around that park and he is a legitimately good skateboarder. Fantastic. So word up, word up to you, Cameron Revere. I'm giving you a little shout out. Any notes on the Samba Tapas? <laughs> well, I, you know, I, I liked that it was like, a, that was his learning curve. You know, I've got this weird, wacky idea for a place. And I, you know, I, um, you know, I, I stopped being a jazz purist to make a little bit of money. And now I'm going to open my place and maybe we don't call it chicken on a stick. And maybe it doesn't have to be in this particular location. And and that's fine. It's It's weird, like how much Ryan Gosling's character was holding on to the notion of the purity of jazz and is jazz dying or is jazz evolving? Even like the stuff he was playing with John Legend in concert, like the keyboard stuff he was doing, like mostly just reminded me of Herbie Hancock. Yeah. Well, and that, that little speech that John Legend gives him is really, really accurate. It's, it's kind of, it's funny. There's, it's like in a, in a, in almost like a, in a, in a, in a much smaller way, it's the argument that a lot of, hip-hop purists have where they they want hip-hop to have stopped evolving in 1993 and hip-hop does not owe you that it has to move forward and has to evolve and what what john legend's character is talking about is exactly that like the people that ryan gosling worships were at their in their time considered like heretics and so you know it, it has to move forward unfortunately a lot of times I think jazz tends to move forward in kind of, I don't know, maybe not the, not the, not the coolest ways. Like, you know, it's like that kind of, I don't know. It's like, it's, it turns itself into like easy listening hip hop. So clearly you liked this movie a lot. Yeah. I enjoyed, I, I, I went in without much expectation and enjoyed the fuck out of it. I thought it was great. Thank you for listening. Our website is gleamingthetube.net. We're on Facebook at Gleaming the Tube, and our email is gleamingpod at gmail.com. Production assistance by Liam Gray. Music by Kissing Contest. Skateboarding is not a crime. <laughs>